Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Akun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me, as always, is senior staff writer and co-host, Ryan Whitfield. So this is a special episode for Ryan and I today, because this is the 100th episode of the Football Garbage Time podcast. So happy 100th episode, everybody. Wow. It is absolutely crazy how time flies. So, what are we going to do for our 100th episode? There's a few things that we were thinking about. Oh, there's that late drop because, of course, we have to have some technical difficulties. This is the Football Garbage Time NFL podcast. After all, that is part of what we do here is have technical difficulties. And there it is again because why not? All right. So way back when, September 28th, 2015, was actually our first episode uh, of this podcast. Uh, So thank you all who have tuned in over the years and listened to us. We are indebted to you. Uh, and the fact that we are still going here at 100 episodes. We've had lots and lots of guests over the last couple of weeks, including those from the Beer Fueled Fantasy, Focus, Fantasy Football Podcast, NFL Talking Heads, from the urban sports scene, from everything Redskins, and you know all sorts of other podcasts uh, and special guests, uh, Mark Leopold. And then, of course, we had Scott King on last week, who was actually one of the guys who got us started many, many years ago. So uh, a great run so far and uh, very exciting. Um, not just to uh, cover up, cover a couple of things that had happened back in September 28th, 2015, just in case you were wondering, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it's only a little bit under a uh, little bit under three years ago, but top movies in the box office that week, Hotel Transylvania 2. Great. Uh, actually, I'd never seen that movie. I'm lying. I tell you it was great. Uh, the Intern was two. Three was Maze Runner. The Scorch Trials four was Everest, and five was Black Mass. And I, actually, that might have been the only one of the five that I saw was Black Mass. That was excellent. And uh, big on the TV during that time, during the first podcast far as was um, the Big Bang Theory, which is, <laughs> I guess, nothing's changed. NCIS, uh, also nothing's changed. Number three, Walking Dead. So all three of those shows still going strong here in 2018. So, uh, so they, all of you might not remember this, but our first episode ever was back in September 28th of 2015 and um and that's why we're that's why i'm telling you what happened back then and true to form uh and people probably don't remember this but we essentially had a combination of stop and go music and dead silence for the first six minutes so what better way to kick off this podcast than with our customary technical difficulty isn't that isn't that crazy it's part of our charm now you know it's uh we should make a drinking game out of it right whatever we have technical built difficulties everyone should take a shot you'll be trashed in no time all right, so in honor of our 100th episode, uh, what Ryan and I are going to do is focus on our best and worst calls over the last two years. The uh, funny thing is I found plenty of bad calls, but not a lot of good ones. But why don't I go ahead and uh, get us started uh, with a couple of the uh, bad ones. So this call I actually made on the um, on the website, and it's not one of the calls that I had made on the actual uh, program here, but I feel like I have to raise it because it actually is relevant today. Uh, so the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, they I made the call back in 2015 that the Jacksonville Jaguars should draft Randy Gregory 
in the 2015 NFL draft. Clearly, that would be a huge mistake because, <laughs> as we know, Gregory was suspended for all of 2017 after being banned for about for all but two games in 2016. And TMZ Sports reported that he failed another drug test last spring while he was suspended. Now, if that report is accurate, it would it could be challenging for him to gain reinstatement. Once Gregory, uh, once Gregory files for a reinstatement, of course, he'll have to meet with Roger Goodell uh, before the commissioner makes a decision. Um, who knows what his chances are? Clearly, that, that last report will be an issue. Cowboys actually took him in the second round. <clears throat> and, of course, the Jags actually took T.J. Yeldon in the second round of that draft. So uh, if you think about it that way, uh, it's actually kind of funny because um, perhaps they wouldn't have done any better or any worse uh, taking Gregory since T.J. Yeldon has not been a big part of that offense anyway. Uh, so maybe my uh, maybe my bad call wasn't a complete miss after all. Um, so uh, Ryan, uh, what do you think about that? I was just going over uh, our uh, my first first bad call, and that that was uh, this was one that I did on the site, not really on the on the podcast, but it stuck out to me because it's actually relevant today. And that's that I had recommended that the Jacksonville Jaguars should draft Randy Gregory in the 2015 NFL Draft. Clearly, that didn't work out for anybody. Cowboys took him in the second round. He's suspended basically all but two games. He's looking for reinstatement now. You know, what do you think? Pretty bad, or uh, how's that rate in your scale of, of one to ten? Ten being the worst. Well, first of all, I'd like to say I think you know our overall theme here tonight is uh, is uh, not hiding from who we are, talking about some of our bad <laughs> predictions and our right. good predictions, and uh, right aligned with that. I uh, lost cl- uh, lost track of the clock here during the during the <laughs> NBA lottery pregame show. Um, yep. So now that I am here, <laughs> uh, yeah, Randy Gregory. <laughs> Uh, you know, a bunch of red flags, and I think as we said at the time, you know, when a guy has that many red flags, you know, in some cases he can't be fixed. You know, you look at a guy like Hernandez who went to, you know, almost a militant-style run team like the Patriots and still ended up being who he was. Uh, no. But you put Gregory in Dallas, and I don't think the chances of success were very high on that one. No, and, and I think that my, my recommendation to Jags should take him, and I was just kind of pointing out, instead of taking Randy Gregory, the Jags took T.J. Yeldon in the second round, so arguably – uh, they probably couldn't have done any worse. I mean, I think Greg, maybe they, maybe it wasn't a total miss by me after all, because I can't imagine that Yeldon was actually that much of an upgrade over Gregory. Um, let me uh, let me also highlight, because I know you just jumped in a little bit ago. Uh, you might not remember this, Ryan, but in our very first episode back in September 28th, 2015, we had uh, a combination of stop-and-go music and dead silence for the first six minutes. So there you go. What better way... We have kicked off this podcast and with our customary technical difficulties, right? So it's, it was all from the beginning, all part of our charm now. And I was just recommending to uh, the listeners that perhaps they should, uh, in order to make light of this, maybe they should just make a drinking game out of it. Every time we have technical difficulties, everyone should take a shot because it'll be trash in no time. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, we might have to move our podcast to Thursday night so people uh, don't mess up their <laughs> Wednesdays for that. Good point. Good point. Hey, listen, so I already went through one of my bad calls. Why don't you go ahead and, and give us one of your bad calls? Yeah, so, you know, of my three bad calls, I'll save one. Um, I'll wait for you to touch on it because uh, one of yours is associated <laughs> with mine. Um, yep. But another, but my other two are central around one team, so I'll just list off the first one now. Um, I think we're going into year three of Laquan Treadwell, who I deemed mm-hmm. the best player in that draft or that, <laughs> the best receiver in that draft. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, he sees the field of that as much as I do. So uh, Laquan Treadwell <laughs> to the Vikings did not turn out the way I thought it would. So, uh, you know, I think that goes down as my, my, one of my historic misses. And I think that when we do so much uh, deep round draft work um, that I tend to fall in love with guys maybe that I shouldn't. And uh, <laughs> I would put Treadwall on that list. I'm praying Alan Lazard does not turn out the same way. 
Yeah, no, I I, I can tell you that I I, I tend to uh, I tend to have lots of bad misses with when I when I when I talk about people that I think what was good draft value. I actually in 2015 had advocated for the Titans giving Zach Mettenberger a full year behind center instead of playing Marcus Mariota. So I mean, obviously that was a miss. Uh, Mettenberger was waived by the Steelers back in May of 2017 and was never heard from again. So clearly he wasn't long for the NFL. Um, I, and, and I will get one, I'll hit one more that is just a, a complete laugher now, but in 2017, I predicted that the Indiana Indianapolis Colts would have a good shot at making the Super Bowl. So they ended up four and 12 in the season. Andrew Luck never made it back to the field. So that was a complete miss. Uh, and, uh, and I will mention one, the one big miss I had, which actually is tied to one of your big hits, I will say, uh, and that is in 2016, I said that Devontae Booker, who was drafted in the fourth round by the Denver Broncos, would far exceed Jordan Howard, drafted in the fifth round by the Chicago Bears, uh, and, and <laughs> actually picked against my Bears. I won't even go through the stats because I actually pulled them up, and it is just depressing. I mean, the fact of the matter is Jordan, Howard's, Jordan Howard has had more rush yards in each of his years, 2016 and 2017, than Devontae Booker has had in his entire career. He had 1,300 in his first, 1,100 in his second. Devontae Booker has had 911 in his entire career. So clearly I missed on that one pretty severely. <laughs> I don't know if that's one you were waiting for or not. It absolutely was because uh, one of my all-time blunders here was giving up on Jordan Howard after week two because you, <laughs> right. who was in Chicago – or I know you're not located in Chicago now, but as a, a dedicated Bears fan, after right. two weeks of no production in his rookie season, uh, I uh, cut him from three – of my five fantasy teams that year, I only had him in three Epic. leagues, but I cut him in all three, and uh, well spent the rest of the year pretty mad at you. And I've actually, you know, like a <laughs> like a like a true adult, have held the grudge against you for it ever since. So excellent, uh, yeah, good. Jordan I'm... Howard was so so my I guess I guess Jordan Howard was was your was your flub, and my flub was trusting your sage advice. So uh, <laughs> you know, it really comes back to you all around here. Yeah, no, I, I I appreciate that. I'm glad I had that much impact in your life, Ryan. I appreciate the fact that I. Every day you can get up and think about how I ruined your fantasy season and, uh, and, and ruined your good call in the preseason and how Devontae Booker continues to haunt me as he continues to do nothing uh, over in Denver and will continue to do nothing again this year. Of course, now that I say that, uh, he's probably going to end up being the lead back in Denver and just completely crushing <laughs> over there this season. So, uh, hey, listen, yeah, so do you have any more bad calls there. before we, we flip to the other side of good calls? Because, I mean, I – I mean, one of the things I wanted to talk about on, on the bad call side that I, I thought was kind of interesting was that there were so many of them. I had a hard time picking them. There were just so many that <laughs> I had a hard time kind of narrowing it down. Any any other bad calls you want to highlight before we flip to the other side? Yeah, well, I mean, unlike you, I actually had a hard time coming up with all my bad calls. and have not Oh, really? Played. Okay. They weren't, they, not <laughs> that they weren't there, but like a, good, like a good quarterback or a good cornerback, you got to have a short memory. And in this business, you're going to be wrong a lot. So I tend to try to move on from my bad, my bad decisions and, and go on. But I'm actually going to stick right there in Minnesota and uh, the land of okay. the Thousand Lakes. Mackenzie Alexander, who we both claimed was the best corner in that draft, sucks. Can't even see yeah. the field. Mackenzie Alexander, I know it's only, I think, again, two years. I think he was the same draft as, as uh, Treadwell. But um, safe to say, at least to this point, is an absolute bust. And I was reading, uh, God, it was either Pro Football Focus, one of those advanced analytics sites, and um, was digging up on him a little bit to see if you know if it's just that there's there's just kind of a uh, a blockade there or like a, a bottleneck you know feature or, or you know, situation going on or if Zimmerman's just reading it wrong. 
Um, is everyone just reading it wrong? Uh, but no, it isn't. Apparently, every time he steps on the field, he is one of the worst players on the defense. So uh, they have every right to keep benching him, and uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. So Jair Alexander, <laughs> that does not load well for you, but. Yeah, no, and and I was actually, uh, and before we flip over to the other side of this, you know, before before you jumped on there, Ryan, I did kind of cover things that happened in uh, September of 2015. It really wasn't that long ago. It was only about two and a half years ago. Actually, something that came happened that month uh, probably was pretty significant to you. That was actually the month that ju- that uh, Judge Richard Berman of the U.S. District Court in Manhattan reversed Tom Brady's four-game suspension in the NFL's, uh, you know, deflate gate uh, scandals, quote-unquote, and, uh, and, had, and he had ruled that, uh, that his decision didn't cover if Brady had tampered with the football or Brady knew his team's employees had been deflating them, but he said that the NFL's commissioner, Roger Goodell, did not have the authority to suspend Brady under the contract between the NFL and the Players' Union. So pretty significant impact right there uh, in that September. It was kind of funny. I, I went back to look at what was the current news items, U.S. top U.S. news items. That was number one. <laughs> that was above... Everything else, you know, all that, you know, foreign policy crap, uh, you know, presidential races and debates, all that, the Pope visiting the U.S., the number one news item that month was that the judge reversed Tom Brady's suspension. You believe that? Yeah, I mean, Berman, the, the closet closet Patriots fan there in New York, um, <laughs> yeah. who, uh, who threw up the, the, the law books there, because um, <laughs> as we've been over a million times, uh, you know, I don't think that obviously the NFL... I believe the Patriots did it. I believe Tom Brady was in on it. I don't believe that they had enough evidence to do it. But at the end of the day, Article 46 is basically a, a kiss my butt uh, rule that says I'll do whatever I want and you're going to find away that right. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, it was an interesting time. When you have uh, a bunch of uh, ex-football players and, and NFL media and sports media people who I think what we all do gets disrespected. To a certain degree, I think we're all very smart, and, and because it's sports, sometimes some of the people not in the sports world think, oh, there's so much of meatheads. But I think everyone uh, in this industry who really puts thoughts behind their takes and their, their research and all the analytics we do in sports now, there's a lot of, a lot of smart people out there. Um, yep. Unfortunately, when you start having them pawn over uh, legal cases and uh, the Wells report and stuff, uh, I think some of uh, our inadequ- inadequacies outside of you, who, uh, you know, know your career is like, <laughs> For the rest of us, when we start, you know, me and my law minor sitting there trying to read the Wells report and dictate what, what you know, what a, what the CBA actually allows and doesn't allow was a, was an entertaining time in the sports world for sure. Oh yeah, most definitely. And that, don't you love it? I did manage to in our hundredth episode pull in Deflategate. You're welcome. I, I knew you'd you'd want to talk about that again because <laughs> I mean, God knows how many hours you spent on that. After all the chirping you did uh, last week during our NFL 10 draft, I don't think I overlooked the. Uh, me when I drafted Alshon Jeffrey, you call him the world, uh, world champion <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. So I expect nothing less. But hey, when your team doesn't win, what else do you have to go on besides celebrating for teams that? Oh, team, there team you go. Team, <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right, all right. So let's go ahead and. So let's go ahead and flip over to the other side of this now. I'm going to go ahead and ring the bell on our bad calls. Let's turn over to the things that we actually did right for a change. Let's go over our good calls. You want to hit one of your good calls first there, Ryan? Yeah. Um, for my first good call, I will, uh, I'll go with one that still is deciding. I'm going to kind of go weakest to best. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll start on some of the rookies that we were high on last year. And I mm-hmm. think everyone got on to him too late, and then he ended up hurt, unfortunately. But, uh, but you know, the Chris Carson train, I think our show was, was uh, yep. ahead of people on that one. His production was, was great. And for whatever reason, Seattle Clippers doesn't believe him, even though not a single other guy in that uh, ridiculous, you know, not stuck in talent-wise, but amount of players-wise, 
uh, backfield that, uh, you know, that, that he continued to be the only guy who could actually be an effective runner, and not even just marginally, but actually really good. Um, right. So, you know, uh, the Chris Carson prediction, I think people came around to it, and unfortunately most people came around to it in the last two weeks right before he got hurt. Um, but Chris mm-hmm. Carson was one of my best calls uh, of, of our time here. Yeah, yep, yep, I totally agree. I think that was a, that was a big oh. one. Now it's, of course, oh, what, what just happened? Oh, I thought I had my mic off here. Woo! That's my bad for yelling <laughs> into the broadcast there. But, no, uh, the Celtics... They get the L.A. pick if it lands three or two, and if the L.A. Lakers pick landed in the top, in between 10 and 14, the, the Celtics didn't have any chance of getting the lottery pick. But now that pick's going to either be three, two, or one, which means the Celtics could potentially stockpile another young asset to this team, which is, <laughs> is pretty unreal. So I'm uh, so there, there yeah, you go, guys. <laughs> Live reaction to the NFL lottery. Who would have thought you'd get it here first? Live reaction. I for a minute there, I thought you were getting mugged or something. I you like yelled at. I was like, hey, did somebody just break into your house? What's going on over there? No, I mean I saw the I saw the, the LA Clippers get screwed and get the 12th and 11th back to back, which is just talk about the worst luck. And then, oh, yeah. And then when they flipped over the 76ers at 10, you know, I, I lost it. Like I said, what can I say? <laughs> All right. Well, let's. So let, let me get back to one of our good calls, um, and, and I'm sure we're going to get periodic updates as to what's happening in the NFL uh, NBA lottery uh, as well. And of course, we got to get off, you know, by uh, by 8:30 because uh, I, I think I think there's a team called the Celtics that uh, might be ready to dominate the uh, Cavaliers. I, I never thought I'd be rooting for the Celtics, but geez, I hate the Cavaliers. So <laughs> you know, go hey, go Boston, man. <laughs> So anyway, let me give you one of my good calls. In 2015, actually, and I, I had predicted that Julius Thomas was going to bomb out of the league after leaving Denver. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, basically, that's basically true. I mean, he went to Jacksonville. He played 12 games in, his, uh, in 2015, 455 yards, five touchdowns, and then just kind of dripped down into the sink, into the, down the drain from there. 2016 in Jaguars, 281 yards, played only nine games. Uh, had four touchdowns, and in 2017 last year, he had only uh, 388 yards with the uh, Miami Dolphins and three touchdowns. He's basically donezo as far as I'm concerned. Not Nowhere near the production he had in Denver. Um, his average is way, way, way down. Yards way down. Touchdowns um, obviously way down as well. Uh, and for those who've forgotten Julius Thomas, I don't, I don't uh, blame you. But when he was in Denver in 2013-2014, had back-to-back seasons of 12 touchdowns apiece. So clearly a product of that system and that quarterback. Nothing to do with Julius Thomas. So, all right. So I felt that pre- I felt pretty good about that call. What about you? What's your next? What's yeah. your number two uh, good call? So I'll go on to that second, but I want to touch on that too because I completely agree. Oh with yeah, you know, sure. The thing and we were, we talked about a lot on the show. Um, yep. I mean, you looked at it. You had Wes Walker, while well, he was still effective at the end there, uh, Demarius yep. Thomas in his prime, Emmanuel Sanders in his prime, and then Julius Thomas is the fourth option on that offense with, you know, arguably a top five all-time quarterback. Um, yeah. You know, uh, throwing the ball to him in a, in a high-powered offense. So, um, you know, I think it's a little cliche to say I could have gone out there and put up that production. So we'll just say <laughs> that Eric Ebron could actually live up to hype in that 2013 and 2014 offense playing tight end in Denver. Yeah. So uh, pretty predictable. He, he would suck. I mean, again, this is a man in Peyton Manning who, despite some of my personal feelings about how overrated he is, he is also the guy who turned Dallas Clark into a, into a, you know, a, a household name. The production <laughs> yeah, player. Um, it's true. So my second one, I'll stick with, you know, I'm the other one. I'm going to go back to my first, my first article ever written 
uh, with football garbage time. So it wasn't on the podcast, but it was an article. But I'll, I'll touch on that last. The next one I'm going to go with is also from last year, another running back, because the, the rebirth of the running backs is, uh, is upon us. Um, and, you know, Alvin Kamara was another guy that me and you were high on very early yep. in the year that was, was somehow only owned by, like, it was something like 65% of the league, or yep. 65% owned. Um, and like week eight or something like that. I mean, this guy, this guy was literally still held the waiver wire for half the season when you could see that he was an elite talent. Um, and you know, if you and if you're in a, a keeper league or a dynasty league or anything like that, and you have Alvin Kamara uh, with the news of Ingram being out the the first four weeks this year, um, you know, you're sitting pretty right now. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. That was definitely. I I, I agreed. I was shocked at how slow. But you know, that was kind of the Adrian Peterson effect, right? I mean, he was kind of there. People kind of thought, ah, oh, you know, maybe he's got something left in the tank, and who knows, but Mark Ingram is the guy anyway. What are you going to do with the third running back? Hey, turns out he was the number one running back there. I mean, he was basically did it all. He was so dynamic, so good out of the backfield, so good catching the ball. He was actually very good in, in pass protection as well, so he was basically the full, the full deal right there. So, yeah, good call on us. And I, I'm going to give us another pat in the back. I'm going to go back to 2015. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but we had a little discussion in 2015 about a little – third round pick rookie called David Johnson uh, for the Cardinals in 2015. And we had mentioned that we thought he had the best opportunity to take over as the Cardinals top running back, uh, even though CJ 2K, the, the, the return of the ghost of CJ 2K and Andre Ellington were there. And a lot of the pundits at that time were saying Andre Ellington was going to be the guy until CJ 2K became CJ 2K again and then broke his leg, and then Andre Ellington had all sorts of you know, foot injuries, which is no kidding. Uh, and then David Johnson took off. He basically just took off from that point forward. So we were on top of that back in the preseason of 2015. Um, and so you know, good for us because that was kind of the, the launching point for him. You know, In 2015, 581 rushing yards, 457 pa- uh, pass receptions, pa- uh, receiving yards, and then the big breakout in 2016 was 1,239 rushing yards and 879 receiving yards. He was 2K, you know, it was DJ 2K. Uh, so, um, you know, good for us. Of course, he was injured all last year, so that kind of sucked. But who, who can guess those types of things? So patting ourselves on the back, back to 2015 on that one. Go ahead, fire away. What, what else you got? Yeah, so a little update for everybody because I got the TV volume down. So uh, apparently because of the, the conditions on that pick, uh, the the it was the Sixers that got flipped over at ten, so that's why uh, the Celtics actually. So any Boston fans out there, unfortunately, I was wrong, but that's because I have it on mute, so I'm not taking. <laughs> okay. So to add to the list of me being wrong, that's it. But they, they flipped over the. <laughs> All Sixers right, and then another bad call by Ryan Woodfield. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, my my good call, um, my last one was that I foresaw a trend. This is me justifying. It, it was the wrong call, but the right call. So, and I'll tell right. you why. Um, okay. Basically, it's like that scene in, uh, oh, what is it? Get Rich or Die Trying. Uh, okay. I'm going to forget the actor's name, but he says it's like, even, when I'm right, I'm right. And even when I'm wrong, I'm still right because I could have been right. Uh, so okay. That's, that's what I'm going with. But I wrote an, my first article in the site ever was saying that the, the Seattle Seahawks um, should give a fully guaranteed contract to Russell Wilson to keep the, the right. cap number down and the real money down per year. Um, they obviously did not go and do that, and they gave Russell Wilson a boatload of money, and they only guaranteed about half of it. Now, where we're sitting here in 2018, the Vikings did give a fully guaranteed contract. So I was one of the first people writing about the idea of a fully guaranteed contract you know, three years ago um, and about how it, it should be considered in the NFL because it can free up cap space for you. 
Uh, yep. And the other way I'm right on this prediction is that because they didn't do it, as I wrote in that article, that there was going to be a bunch, because that was a really young team at the time, on the verge of a dynasty, and then, and by giving a quarterback big money, uh, you know, like you can see in the situation with the Ravens, what's happened to them since their Super Bowl, when you, when you pay a Super Bowl quarterback, the going rate for a Super Bowl winning quarterback, it really puts, uh, and I know that the NFL is not a hard cap, um, and there's ways you can maneuver it, but when you're giving a guy you know, $20 million or, you know, above $15 million a year, it's really hard. And I think I wrote at the time that I would give him five years and $50 million get fully guaranteed to keep him down at a $10 million cap hit per year so that you mm-hmm. can re-sign uh, all, all the rest of the guys on the defense and ended up leaving, and, and they didn't. And now this team's kind of a shell of itself and looks like it's in a full rebuild with still a crappy offensive line uh, and a quarterback who's taken a lot of hits over the last couple of years. Um, yep. So yeah, so I think they're suffering, going to suffer a similar fate that the Falcons do, kind of going into obscurity here in the next couple of years. And uh, had they just listened to me, uh, they would have been ahead <laughs> of the trend that the Vikings have now done, and they wouldn't be in yep. such bad cap situation that they had to rebuild their team on the fly. So even though they didn't do what I said, and I was wrong in that prediction, they should have done what I said. So I'm still yeah, there. no, I got, I got you. I was actually thinking about that one. I was wondering if you're going to raise that or not because I remember we had this discussion actually about fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL and whether that made sense for quarterbacks or not. And and you know, I it took a while, but they're basically getting there. Hey, I'm going to so I'm going to pat us on the back on two more 2016 calls. These are going to be these are in the same show, so I, I'm going to kind of use them as one together. But we had talked about two things. Um, this was preseason 2016. We had said we had predicted that uh, Dak Prescott would be the next franchise quarterback for the Cowboys. Uh, so far, that seems to be happening for better or for worse for the Cowboys. The the prediction was accurate, so I thought I like that. And of course, that was that ha- we did see some preseason stats there. So you know, and we knew that uh, there were some issues with Tony Romo and all. So so maybe we were kind of we were hedging our bets a little bit. But I, I felt pretty confident about Dak Prescott going in and and doing something over there, and, and it looks like he's uh, – and I think he's actually made good in that. The other one, and this one is no surprise coming from you, being a Pats fan and all, but in 2016, we had actually called out the Patriots' acquisition of Chris Hogan as a really good move. And, um, and, and I had gone one step further, which is very unlike me, uh, because typically this – and you actually – and you agreed to this, that we thought, I thought eventually he could be the second or third option in the Patriots' offense. Um, I don't know if he's quite there yet. He actually might be the third option this year, though, behind Gronk and uh, and Edelman. So uh, that that prediction might just come true. And um, you know, there were a lot of uh, a lot of talk out there about how you know who cares about Chris Hogan? How can you be excited about him? He's a nobody. But um, I think we kind of saw through that. You know, I mean, and and I I'll, I'll pat myself on the back for getting on board of your Patriot love there because I don't always buy into it. But that one, I think we kind of bought into. Yeah, I completely agree, and obviously we were we were a little bit ahead on that. And uh, you know, his performance in the AFC Championship and in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl uh, in 2016 really validated everything we saw in that. And I think initially he'll be the third best option on this offense this year. Um, but I think Jordan Matthews is a chance to really have a successful season. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, Malcolm Mitchell, if he can stay healthy, and then obviously you know spending a first round on Sonny Michelle means he's going to be featured a lot. But regardless. Right. Um, you know, if, if he is the third option, I think that's more says about the kind of year he has and how right we were about that as opposed yeah. to the state of the Patriots offense this year. I, I agree. And that was, that was two seasons ago. So, I, you know, that's not too bad. We predicted three years in advance that he was going to be the third option in the Patriots offense. So there you go. And so I'm going to ask you one more. I don't know if this is a – this wasn't a prediction, but this was a suggestion. I'm going to ask you if, if this was something that you think would have ended up working out or not. In, in 2016 – I said that the Browns should draft Carson Wentz at number two overall. 
Do you think that Carson Wentz's career would have gone completely in the toilet if the Browns drafted him at number two overall in 2016? Or do you think that the Browns would actually be a much better team today? That lucky, lucky, lucky man, Carson Wentz. No, he would not. I think I uh, I can't even remember who else was drafted. It was Corey Coleman and two other guys, the the three receivers they took that year. And I think, you know, I bought bought in. I was like, oh, they got three young kids who come in and play. And Corey Coleman – um, looks like a good second to third yeah, I, I like on, him too. on a team. Yeah. Yep. And so I think he'll be good this year. But the other two guys, like I said, I can't even recall their names. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think him avoiding that was, uh, was good for him. I don't think he would have been a complete bust. Um, I think he would have seen that he had potential and that Cleveland was a mess. Uh, right. But, you know, I don't think he obviously has the success that he's had in Philadelphia. I mean, that, I mean that's an understatement of, of, of the century, maybe of this entire podcast. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, right. lucky for him, it didn't happen. I think I think Cleveland might finally be on the right track now, but they had a lot of a lot of rebuilding to do at that time. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. But it would have been really interesting. The what if, what if on all that, and whether the Eagles would have ever made it to the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz, I, I suspect not. Anyway, that is the, actually the end of our episode. I'm gonna blow the air horn on that one, and I'm gonna give us a little bit of a, a little bit of cheering here. Uh, our hundredth episode has just concluded, Ryan. Thank you for being the co-host all these years. Why don't you go ahead and give everybody your Twitter, Instagram, so they can continue following you. Great. And I'm going to go fast because I have a second or a brand new uh, shout-out to put in here, my sign-off. So you can follow me at, at Ryan Whitfield NE on Twitter, on Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time. Check out my boys at DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports. And for your most comprehensive football and fantasy football coverage, be sure to check out my boy Chris at All Day Football. You can find them nice. allday-football.blogspot.com or just all day or Chris underscore ADF1 on Twitter. Yeah, and I saw he retweeted us. That was really nice of him. So that's fantastic. Yeah, definitely go check that out. As always, you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. We'll be back again. We've been here for 100 episodes. We're going to be here for 100 more. We'll be back again next week. See you all next time. Thanks from me and Ryan for listening and continuing to follow us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week. Thank you, everyone.